God, our Father, Lord, we praise you this day. We glorify you and we honor you, God. We are just thrilled at the thought, God, that you are in heaven, sitting on your throne, ruling over the world and the nations and all of creation which you have made. Lord, we are thrilled with the Uh, the thought of the hope of glory that we have to one day soon be in your presence and rescued from this wicked and perverse generation. Lord, we look forward to that day when we will no longer be subject to sin and, and all of its consequences. Lord, in that day when you will wipe every tear from our eyes and there will no longer be any mourning or dying or crying or pain, God, we look forward to that day with eager anticipation. And we pray, come, O Lord Jesus, come quickly. And Lord, we just uh, we long to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you for all of the promises that you have given us in which we can be encouraged and we can place our hope and our trust in you and in your magnificent promises, God. We praise you and we worship you and we thank you for such an exceeding great hope that you have given us through our Lord Jesus Christ and through his holy cross. Oh Lord, we do treasure and honor and praise the Son even as we do you, Father God. And we thank you for the great privilege that we have to boldly come before you, Lord, in humility with heads and hearts bowed, Lord, with fear and trembling, and yet at the same time with great rejoicing. We thank you for these privileges which have been purchased for us by your blessed Son and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We thank you for all that you have done for us. We thank you that you have imparted to us your blessed Holy Spirit. God may we have willing hearts to be changed by him and through your holy word. We thank you for the freedom that we have to gather in this place and to freely proclaim your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we have been uh, uh, going through our series on the Savior and the cross and the gospel. And uh, this should be the last week in our section on the Savior, on the person of Jesus Christ. And uh, as the last few weeks have gone by, we've been talking about the fact that Christ is supreme and that he himself is supremely valuable and that then and therefore we ought to value him as supreme above all other things. And so the exhortation has been the last couple of weeks for us to learn how to love Christ supremely and how in growing in our faith and and in the grace of God, we are growing really in this essential matter, and that is to learn how to love and to treasure Christ above all other things because he is most worthy of our love. Amen? He is most worthy of praise. He is most worthy of worship, which is to ascribe worth or ascribe value. He is the place where our affections should properly be placed. Even our highest affections, the greatest delight that we should have, should be properly placed in Jesus Christ. If our delight and our worship 
and our longings are not placed on Jesus Christ supremely, then we have misplaced affections. Amen? He is the proper place for our adoration. He is the proper place for that which we long for and that which we desire. He is our model for virtue. He's our model for for every good grace. He's our model for every good work of righteousness and every bit of goodness and every uh, uh, worthy attribute of God is seen most crystal clear in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And it is He should be the focus of the great longing of our heart. He should be the thing that occupies our thoughts. He should be the thing that occupies our longings. He should be the thing that occupies our desire. He should be the thing and the person whom we serve with eagerness and with joy. Amen? He should be the one whom we fear. He should be our dread. Are you with me? For he himself told us, do not fear man who can kill the body, but fear God, who after dying can destroy both body and soul in hell. Amen? Amen. We should have a holy reverence for Christ. And at the same time that we tremble, we do it with a great rejoicing in all that he has done for us. Amen? Amen? Even redeeming us and setting us free from the power of sin and death. Amen? Not to mention the great hope of glory that we have for his soon coming kingdom. Amen? There's coming a day in the very near future, people, when we are going to be released from this body of sin. And we are going to put on immortality. And we are no longer going to be subject to sin and death, world without end. Amen? Amen? I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I can't wait. Not only that, it's very clear to me, this is what my life was created for. To worship and to love and to serve this God, even our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let us give ourselves wholly to it. Are you with me? Amen. Okay, praise the Lord. So then in, in this course of lessons in, in, in learning to love Christ supremely, you know, we, we've been talking about the fact that because he is supremely valuable and then our affections and, and our life and our focus and our worship should be properly placed on him, then we've talked about the, the, the fact that, that that's exactly what we need to do. We need to have an affection for him. We need to have a longing for him. We need to have a, an intimate devotion in our hearts to him. And it is the person of Jesus personally that we are to worship, that we are to come into this greater relationship with him. And it's a very personal relationship. I, I, I like in that, uh, in that song, Be Thou My Vision, there's a line in there that says, uh, uh, it's talking about Christ and it says that he is the heart of my hearts. Are you with me? And, 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 and there God communes with me in the deepest part of my heart. Amen? He is in the very center of my heart. And it is there where I have a very personal and a very intimate relationship with Christ. Amen? And so we want to feed that relationship. 
We want to feed that devotion. We want to uh, uh, allow that inner man to embrace Christ and to delight in Christ there and to ascribe uh, worth to Christ, not only in, in this intimacy and in this emotional, deep, intimate relationship with Christ, but also as our knowledge of him is expanded and we come to know him more and more. Amen? Not just with facts and not just with head knowledge, but in this deepest part of our heart. We grow in this knowledge of Christ. We grow in our confidence, in our relationship with Him. Amen? And think, as that has happened in your life, how you have grown in such confidence. And how now you have no fear of death. And how you've been delivered from such earthly trials and, and, and toils and snares again and again and again. And what great confidence you have in Christ. And what a, a, an anchor he is for your soul. Amen? And if you have not experienced that, it, it's only because you have not sought him. Because he is all of those things. Amen? And, and even more he is than the degree we've experienced. Amen? Let us draw nearer and nearer to him each day. He, Christ, is to be supreme in our affections. Well, so today I I want to try to give you some really practical things that you can do that will foster this love for Christ in in your heart. And and, uh, the first little piece of this is I want you to understand that to, to, to look into the Word of God and to see God's value system there so that you can conform your value system to it. And thereby, you can grow in this intimate knowledge and this experience uh, with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, I've, I've entitled it, Love What He Loves and Hate What He Hates. Okay, and I want to talk to you about that. But then furthermore... How can you have assurance that you love Christ? And what does the Bible say about that? I want to talk just a little bit about that. And then I want to uh, uh, go away exhorting you with some things that you can do to, uh, to cultivate your love for Christ. And uh, daily things that you can do to apply this doctrine of learning to love Christ in your daily life. Okay? Uh, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about loving what he loves and hating what he hates. How then can we cultivate affections for Christ? One very obvious way is to begin to value things which he assigns value to and also to disdain things which he disdains. We begin to love Christ and value him when we begin to see life as he sees it and begin to conform our lives to that which he values. Remember that the revelation of God in Scripture is pure truth. And it is absolute. It's not subject to how you understand it. Understand, you can only apply it in your mind as you understand it. But it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God to bring that revelation of truth to you so that you properly understand it. But the Word itself is the absolute truth. Of God, It is that which is according to fact. It is that which is real. It is not subjective. It is objective. We look at the truth of God and it is what it is and it never changes. 
The, the word of God never changes. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. God's word is not like men. Men are like grass. They grow up and they blow away in the wind. The word of God never changes. It is an everlasting rock. Amen? We look at it, it's objective. And in the word of God, we read in the word of God, and God is revealing himself to us. He's helping us to see how he made the world, what he made the world for. He's helping us to conform our thinking to the way things really are. Because what's happened in sin is we've become deceived. When, when, when we sinned, we fell into darkness. You understand the difference between darkness and light? Light is that which causes the eye to see. And in the eyes of our heart, we have this revelation that comes from God about what reality truly is like. Okay, When man fell into sin, he fell into darkness, and he was blinded. And the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, that the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. Their minds have been blinded from the reality of their existence. That they live uh, uh, because Christ created them for his own purposes. And that people go through their whole life not recognizing or acknowledging or understanding this truth. That Christ created them for himself and they are to give themselves wholly to his allegiance. This is the great problem with man. He's fallen into this darkness and he cannot see the light of the glory of God in Christ. Okay? So he's blinded. But what happens when we get saved is the Holy Spirit comes in and he illuminates. He gives us revelation. We call this regeneration. We're born again by the Spirit of God. And Jesus says, unless you be born again, you cannot what? See. The kingdom of God. There's no light in the eyes of your heart and you cannot properly understand the reality of God's kingdom, which is. Amen? And you can't understand the reality of God, who is the I Am, the existing one. But once the Holy Spirit comes in and we're born again by the Spirit, then we see the King and we see the kingdom and we understand and God helps us to understand what has happened in sin and how we've been separated from Him. And He opens our eyes to see that the cross is the only way that we can be reconciled through repentance and faith. And so we repent and we turn to God by His power and we're changed and our eyes are open to see the truth. Amen? Well, so now that we have been born again and we're learning to love Christ, as we look into this holy word, it's bringing light to our eyes. It's bringing revelation to the eyes of our heart and helping us to see. Well, what is it that we see there? And here's what I'm getting at. There we see what God values. And there we see what God disdains. There we see what is considered to be in reality by God, in truth, that which is truly valuable, so that we can conform our value system to it. So when we go to the Word of God, we should be going there to eat and drink of this knowledge of truth. Are you with me? So that our darkened understanding can be enlightened and conform to what is truly valuable. 
and to, for what is truly uh, uh, that which is worthy of pursuing and that which is worthy of rejecting. Are you with me? And then once we know those things, we have one thing left to do, family. Amen? That is to obey it. That is to conform our life to it. And then the scripture says we'll be blessed. <coughs> Amen? Well, so when our value system becomes defined by his value system, he is then honored and esteemed and valued by us. And so as we're in the word, our mind and our thinking is being conformed to the mind and the thinking of Christ himself. Amen. And this is uh, Paul's topic in 1 Corinthians 2 there, where he's talking. I want to read it to you. Turn with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is the very thing that Paul is telling uh, the Corinthians. He says, look, a natural man can't even understand the things of God. But God, through His Spirit, has revealed to us, yea, even the deep things of God. Amen? He starts uh, <clears throat> back in verse 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. He says, Yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature. I'm sorry. We do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For... To us, God revealed them through the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. And you see, Paul's telling us here, he's saying, look, <clears throat> we speak God's secret wisdom in a mystery that's been revealed to us by the Spirit of God. And listen, he says, it's not the wisdom of this age. It's not the wisdom of this world. He says it's not even human wisdom at all. But he says God gives us this wisdom in a mystery by his spirit so that we may know freely the things that God has given us. You see, it's through the revelation of truth in the word of God by the spirit of God that we come to know God's secret wisdom. Amen? No other way and nobody else to teach us but him. Amen? And so as we look into the word and we gain this revelation of truth, the spirit of God is there enlightening our eyes and bringing us to this knowledge of God. Okay? He goes on. He says, but a natural man, verse 14, does not accept the things of the spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. You know, you wonder, you're sitting here trying to tell somebody about Christ. 
You're sitting here trying to tell them about how to be saved. And they look at you like a deer in the headlights. And, and it's like you, you wonder, is there anybody home in there? Right? And you know what the problem is, right? Here's the problem. It's like Nicodemus. Nicodemus can quote, quote the Bible front and back. But Jesus says to him, Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen? You understand? The revelation of salvation comes through the Holy Spirit of God and by sovereign grace as He decides to turn on the light and allow us to see. You understand? And so what people desperately need is to be born again by God. So as you pray for Him, it goes something like this. God, please save so-and-so. God, please have mercy on their soul. God, please open up their eyes so that they can see and give them ears to hear. Amen? Amen. In the Proverbs, it says this. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. You understand? Well, so this, uh, he goes on. He says in verse 15, But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You see that? Paul says, through the Spirit of God and through the ministry of the Spirit of God in the life of the believer, we have the mind of Christ. Amen? Amen. So, family, we can no longer think like (laughs) earthly beings. We need to begin to think like who we are. Amen? And to walk in the Spirit of God and to appraise our life according to the knowledge and the wisdom of God. Amen? Listen, then we're going to stop making foolish choices. Then we're going to stop acting like mere men, and we're going to start acting like the sons and the daughters of God. Amen? You know how they act? Their life is filled with love and with joy and with peace and with patience and kindness. You understand? Their life is filled with gentleness and with respect and with honor and with esteem. And they, they see their world through the eyes of God. And they understand their world because God has given them an understanding about their world. Amen? And then you can live your life to love people. You've been set free from your sin and from the burden of the darkness of not being able to see any longer. God's given you eyes to see. Now your life has meaning and purpose. Amen? You're not walking around groping through the darkness anymore. Now you know why you were created and what you were created for. Amen? So get busy loving God and loving people. Amen? That's what it's all about. That's the thing that ought to consume our life. When he says, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, this is what he's talking about. Seeking this virtue of God, seeking the being of God, becoming like him, allowing him to transform your life. Amen? Christ has to become central in our focus. He has to become supreme in our affections if we want to grow in this grace that we have been given in God, in Christ. Amen? So what happens is, is we, we get changed. Our mind gets changed. It's a transforming work of the Holy Spirit of God. Okay? And of course the scripture exhorts us to this again and again. 
Paul says in Romans, in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, a very familiar scripture to us. He says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So present your bodies to God. (laughs) Give him yourself. Give him your life. Give him your time. Give him your talents. Give him your treasure. Give him everything you have. Present your life to God as a holy sacrifice to him, which is acceptable to him, which is your reasonable service in another translation. Amen? And this is our offering. This is our sacrifice to him. Listen, we were snatched from the fire. We were snatched from death and hell. And our life is not our own. It belongs to him. Amen? So don't withhold from him. It all belongs to Him. We're to offer our whole selves, our whole life to Him as an acceptable sacrifice. Amen? But look how Paul describes that we do that. Look what he says. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So look what Paul says. He says, Don't be conformed to the world around you. Don't act like a bunch of sinners anymore. Don't think like a bunch of sinners anymore. You're not. Now you're the sons of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? So don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Allow the word of God to come into your mind and renew that dead, darkened, earthly thinking. And let it be transformed so that you think thoughts of heaven. So that you think thoughts like Christ. Set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Appraise your world like Christ appraises your world. Listen, he's not sitting on his throne with his knees knocking together wondering how he's going to make the car payment. Are you with me? He's the exalted Christ. He's in heaven. He knows that God is sovereign and that God takes care of the sparrows and you're much more valuable than they and the car payment's going to get made. And if it's not, then you'll walk. Amen? Amen? But even then, when you walk, He will be with you. Amen? You with me? So go ahead and just embrace your fears. Listen, He's God over those two. Are you with me? Much of our fretting, we're afraid... Okay? But listen, fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Stop fretting. You're treasured by God if you are in Christ. He's going to care for you. He's going to meet your needs. And no matter what devil in hell comes against you, he is going to defend you. He is going to be your shield. He's going to be your light. He's going to be your salvation. He's going to be everything that you need in the day of trouble. So that you wind up in his glorious heaven, world without end, filled with joy and eternal bliss. Are you with me? That's his promise to us. It's as sure as the day is long. In fact, there is nothing more sure than God's promise. Amen? Are you with me? Okay, so this is how we need to think then. We need to let our mind be transformed so that we think and appraise our world the same way God thinks and appraises our world. So that we properly value what's properly valuable. And when we learn how to do this, 
it's amazing what this does in our life. It transforms our life. It teaches us how to treat people. It teaches us how to think about a situation. All of a sudden, when you begin to grow in Christ, people will begin to realize you have wisdom. People will come to you and they'll want your counsel. They'll say, what should I do? Because they'll regard you as somebody with wisdom. And how did you get that way? <laughs> well, when, you're, when your mind is being transformed and you possess the mind of Christ, let me tell you, the mind of Christ thinks with wisdom. Are you with me? And wisdom is highly treasured by somebody who loves Christ. It's more valuable than rubies. Are you with me? And so we, when, we, when we, we go to this word every day and we're just looking for wisdom and we're feeding on wisdom and, and we're drinking from this well of glorious wisdom. Are you with me? Family, we, we've, we've got to be, we, we've got to uh, 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 raise up our standard. We're so satisfied with earthly things and there's so much more. Are you with me? Turn that tube off. And get your nose in the book. Are you with me? <clears throat> Occasionally, there might be something worth looking at on the tube. Occasionally. <laughs> Look at the last part of this verse. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, what's he exhorting us to do? He's saying, learn to appraise things in your life like God appraises things in your life. So you can look at something and say, now that's acceptable to God. Or that's pleasing to God. That's the will of God. Or this is the way God sees this. If it were perfect, it would be like this. How do I know? Because I love thy law. And thy law has brought light to my eyes. And I can see this circumstance and I understand what needs to happen. This poor person who's breathing out threats and anger toward me needs to be loved. I'm not to pick up the sword and go hacking away at some poor soul. I'm to serve and love and minister to that person. I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't take up the sword. I'm a peacemaker. You with me? You see how practical that is? We got to begin to think with the mind of Christ. And it's life changing, family. It's transforming. But this is what happens as we are transformed by the word of God and by the renewing of our mind, then we can understand what is good and acceptable and perfect in the sight of God so that we can do it, so that we can abide in it, so that we can pursue it. Amen? Amen. God help us. God help us. And I hope you cry out with me. God help me. Amen. You know, so often it's me. I'm just dense. I mean, my skull is that thick. You know, and, and this is why I need to spend so much time meditating on the word of God and allowing it to come in and change and transform me. Amen? Amen. So then, as we go to the Holy Scriptures each and every day, <laughs> there we feed on the heavenly delights that God gives us by his holy word. 
We feed on the bread of life and we partake of God's wisdom, which causes us then to hunger and thirst for his righteousness and his kingdom and his person like no other thing. Let me tell you, you get consumed with the word of God and you'll be hungry for more. Are you with me? And let me tell you, that well never runs dry. It's like the great deep. Amen? You might be looking and you might see maybe 100 feet down not realizing that thing is five miles deep. Are you with me? That is what the Word of God is like. And many of you know and have experienced the depth and the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Amen? His paths are beyond tracing out. Keep digging. There's plenty to see down there. Amen? Are you with me? And every bit, every nugget, every little drink that you get is just life to the soul. Amen? The scripture is pure revelation of God and his wisdom. So as we go to the scripture, we seek for nuggets of truth and morsels of heavenly wisdom that change us and cause us to become like him. More and more being filled and blessed with his virtue, which we see revealed in all of its glory in the revelation of scripture. Family, while we're there, we're just looking for God. We're seeking the person of the Lord Jesus in this living word that he's given to us. Are you with me? And this intimate experience of God is happening in this word. I don't know about you, but for me, reading the scripture is just, it's, it's just prayer. It's intense prayer. And, and, and I'm silent. And God is speaking volumes. Are you with me? It's one-way conversation. God speaking to me. Are you with me? I recently had somebody asking me about hearing the voice of the Lord. And I thought, where are you headed with that? You know? As if it's some kind of a mystic thing to hear the voice of the Lord. Let me tell you, the voice of the Lord shakes the cedars. Are you with me? It breaks the earth's crust. It sends forth a tempest from the mighty ocean to swallow up the land. It causes the deer to calve. And it hangs the sun in the orbit over the earth. You with me? All of those things are done by the voice of God. You know what? It's all recorded right here. There isn't any mystic experience you need to go through. You go to the Word of God, and here you embrace God. For it is written. Amen? Are you with me? And and family, we know these things. These words have transformed our whole life. Have they not? What other well shall we go to? Are you with me? I promise you, get your nose in the book, get hungry for the kingdom of God, and and read there in the book, and you'll hear God speaking right to you. Amen? And let your words be few when you come before God. Just close the trap and open up the ears, and God speaks. Amen? He is not silent. He is speaking, and there is much to be heard and much to be gleaned. And much to rejoice in. There is power for life here. Are you with me? There's wisdom for life in the book here. Everything you need is in here. His divine power is given to us. Right? 
everything pertaining to life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, right? Through these he has given us his very great and magnificent promises that through these we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world through lust. Are you with me? It's through these promises that we participate in the nature of God, that we're changed and transformed and become like him. Okay? But we have to seek after him here where he is, in this revelation of God in the scripture. This is how we learn to love what he loves and hate what he hates and appraise everything through his eyes and through his mind. We go here in the word, in the living word, and the Holy Spirit of God illuminates it to our minds. Amen? He's the only teacher we have. We have no other teacher. We have no other being to reveal true knowledge to us. It is only and solely the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay. Well, this is what the psalm says. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, you hear me? His delight, the thing that he treasures, the thing that he delights in, the thing that in, the, in his heart of hearts he rejoices in and loves, are you with me? Is the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. Amen? Let me tell you, those are promises from God. You want to be happy and blessed? Make your delight the law of God. That's what it says right there in the words. God help us. God help us to to put off the things which beset us and to get our focus and our affections set properly in the right place and on the right thing. Amen? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I am the Lord. Amen? He's to reign supreme in our affections. He's to be the delight of our hearts. Amen? Well, how may we know that we love Christ? How may we know that we love Christ? And I want to give you the plain answer. The plain answer is obedience. Obedience. How do we know that we love Christ? We obey his commandments. That's how we know. Consider that of all the things that God has commanded us to do, the greatest is to love him supremely, then this ought to be our response. If God says the greatest commandment, that all the commandments he's ever given us is to love him, then that's what we ought to do. We ought to love him. That ought to be our response. Have you ever thought about that? How about thinking about this every day? Think about this every day. How am I loving God today? Because this is the great commandment. This is the one that's to be frontlets before my eyes. This is the one I'm supposed to write on my gates, write on my doors, tell it to my kids, talk about it when we sit down, lie down, get up and walk along the way. It's to be around my wrist, right? Everywhere I turn in my life is to be this commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This, Moses says to Israel, you are to hear. Shema. This is to be upon your hearts this day. Are you with me? 
course, I'm talking about Deuteronomy chapter 6, right? But the point is, is that, family, this is why we were made. We were made to love God. And this has got to be the thing that's central in our life. This has got to be the thing we're thinking about every day. This is why we were created. You want to be happy and blessed? Love God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. And you'll be the most happy and blessed person around. God promises. Amen? You with me? Consider with me, if God is the sovereign, the supreme authority, if he is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he has given us high and holy commandments, our response should then be one of unwavering obedience. If a powerful earthly authority gives us a directive, what would we do? We would obey it. How much more should we honor God with obedience to him? Shall we rail against our maker? We had better be sure to obey God, lest we be found to be rebels against our sovereign creator and our righteous judge. Are you with me? Here's what I'm telling you. God has commanded us what to do. We had better not be a rebel against God. Because he's badder than you are. Are you with me? Not only that, he's given us high and holy warnings that if we don't do what he has told us to do, we are in big trouble. Are you with me? And this isn't like mom getting a switch. You understand? This is why Jesus says, God is to be your dread. He is to be your fear. Right? And men have all these remedies. They have all these justifications. They have all this folly that they swim in every day. They're always looking for a way out. They're always looking for a reason to blame God. They're always looking for a justification for their sin. Let me tell you something. There's only one justification for sin. It's the cross at Calvary. There is no other. No other way to be reconciled before God. And God is the avenger of sin. And if, you, if Christ does not die for your sins, then you will. And that kind of death, family, is forever. And God is not kidding. He ain't playing games. Amen? When it comes to obedience, He is to be our fear. He is to be our dread. His word is what we are to revere and conform our life to. Amen? I can't think of a more serious matter in all of life but obedience to God. Yes, sir. Exactly right. So we need to get the word to those who don't believe. To get the word to the unreached overseas. Amen. Amen. It's a glorious gospel, is it not? It's a glorious gospel. And you know what? It's filled with heavenly blessings and it's filled with holy warnings. Amen? Amen. Let us be faithful to open up our mouth and to be the witnesses God has called us and empowered us to be. Amen? Amen. Well, <clears throat> listen to the words of Jesus in John fourteen fifteen. This is what he says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, what's his topic? His topic is, if you love me, Sean Sloan, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Now, Jesus has a way that he appraises whether or not we love him. And he couldn't state it in more plain and simple terms. 
Amen? And so this is what he says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In other words, it will be plainly seen if you really love me when you obey my commandments. That's what he's saying. Love for Christ produces obedience to his commandments. If we look at our lives and see disobedience to Christ's commands, then we have good reason to question whether our love for him is genuine. Are you with me? If we look at our life and and all we see is disobedience to Christ, or, I'm sorry, we see an ongoing pattern of disobedience to Christ. Family, we need to make some changes. Are you with me? How do you know that you love Christ? Look at your life. You should see obedience to his commandments. You should see your life going from a decreasing frequency of sin and an increasing frequency of love and righteousness and worship of God. That's the pattern you ought to see in your life if you're truly born again. Listen, if you're truly born again, you're no longer in a downward descending spiral into death and hell. But now you have been rescued from that. You have been born again by the Holy Spirit and you are in a process of ascending into the glory of God. That's the difference between believers and unbelievers. Believers are descending into the bottom of hell. Believers are ascending into the heights and the glory of God by the very ministry of God himself. Amen? So you look at your life. Which path are you on? It should be rather clear. Amen? This is how we know that we love God. We obey what he tells us to do. This is what he says later on in John 14 there. He says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Now he's repeating what he just said in a, in, a, in, a, in a little bit different way, right? He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my father and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. You know, people always talk about God's love being unconditional. I, I want to tell you, there is a sense in which God's love is unconditional. You can't merit the love of God. Okay? But consider these words of Jesus. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Right? And if you love me, you'll be loved by my Father, and my Father will love him and will disclose my love to him. Let me tell you, do you think God is going to love a Christ-rejecting sinner all the way to the end? I tell you no. At what point does the, the, the love of God that he has for the creature, at what point does it become disdain? At some point, I tell you. At some point, that love by which God loves the world that he gave his only begotten son. At some point, that love turns to disdain for the Christ-rejecting sinner. Are you with me? So what should we do? We should repent, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, turn from our sins and begin to love him. Are you with me? Understand what I'm saying? At some point, at some point, that love that God has for the creature, if it is not remedied by regeneration, it turns to justice. 
Consider. Consider these things. He goes on, verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. You understand what Jesus is saying? It's really clear, family. It's really clear. Here's how you may know that you love Christ. Do you see in your life a pattern of obedience to God? You with me? If we truly love God, we will in fact obey him. This is how we prove our love for God through our obedience to him. 1 John 5, 3 says this. This is love. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Amen? Listen, this is how we prove our love for God to ourselves. In your prayer closet, in the deepest, darkest part of your life where nobody else is but you and God. Is it right with you and God there? It's how we prove our love for God to ourselves. We look at our life and we see a pattern of obedience. Are you with me? Well, I want to give you some other things. It's not just obedience. Because a life of obedience to God's commandments changes everything that we are. It changes all that we are. It, it, it puts it, When we've been born again by the Holy Spirit, Christ becomes our passion. He becomes our affection. He becomes our longing. He becomes our desire. That's, that is what regeneration is. It's the life of God in the soul of man. And you know what it produces? Glory. It produces a deep desire and a longing for the glory of God above all other things. That's a work that God does in regeneration. Amen? Well, um, obedience to Christ is proof positive that we in fact love him and honor him from our hearts. But what are other ways that we can see that we love Christ? Here's a few that I have listed for you. I gleaned these from various places in my study. Christ will be the most engrossing subject of thought. Are you enamored with thoughts of Christ? Does Christ occupy your thought life with intensity? Or do you give your thoughts to lower earthly things? You mean to tell me you have an intimate relationship with the living God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who spoke and and made millions of galaxies? Are you telling me you have a relationship with him? Yet your mind is occupied with Bart Simpson? Are you with me? You, You get the idea? What occupies your thoughts? What... What is it that drives your thinking? What is it that, that, that is engrossing to you? What is it that, that, that just, you know, I don't know about you, but I can stay up all night talking about Jesus, man. I mean, he just, you know, he just grips my heart. He grips my soul. I start talking about God. I start reading the scripture. Man, I just get broken. I just, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there reading with my family the other night. I'm reading the word of God. I just broken. The word of God just cutting to my heart. And everybody looks at me like, 
man, you're a weirdo. <laughs> and, and, you know, here's this thing. It's just powerful. It's just the word is so powerful, it rocks me to the deepest part of my soul. Are you with me? It's because I'm just, I'm just engrossed with Christ. He's everything to me. He's my all in all. I, when I got saved, man, I got snatched out of the fire. Are you with me? Maybe you didn't have an experience like that. But who is this Lord that you love? Who is this God that you worship? What were, what were you created for? What is your joy? Where is your glory? What are you pursuing? Are you with me? There's nothing greater to have and to possess than Christ. He's the end of the search. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Christ will be the attractive theme of conversation. What do you spend your time talking about? Is it the weather? Is it sports? Or, God forbid, the latest gossip about other people? We know what is in our hearts by what flows out of our mouths. Are you with me? You want to know if somebody loves Christ? Just sit down and listen to him talk for a while. You'll get a crystal clear picture of what's going on right down inside there. What's coming out of the mouth is what's going on inside the heart. Amen? If you love Christ, Christ will be the source of the greatest delight in pleasing. What is it that in your heart brings the most gladness to you? Do you treasure Christ more than anything else in the entire world? If you love Christ, he is your greatest delight. You say, come on, preacher. Good night, man. You've got a high standard. Let me tell you something. If you do not love Christ more than anything else in the world, even your own life, you have misplaced affections. Your thinking is all screwed up if Christ is not number one. Are you with me? Family, I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm trying to be loving. I'm trying to rock you from your complacency. And think about what is the most important thing in the world and what am I living my life for? And what am I giving myself to? Are you with me? Because if you're valuing anything more than Christ, then you're breaking the first commandment. You've got some other God in place of him. And you are an idolater. And people who live like that do not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Why else would we go anywhere else? Why would we forsake the well of living water for something that doesn't quench our thirst? Are you with me? I'm testifying to you the truth of the gospel of Christ. He has got to be number one or you need to get saved. <clears throat> I hope that's convicting and I hope it's reassuring for those of you who do treasure him. Are you with me? If you're convicted, go to the cross. There you will find the free grace and mercy of God. Amen? <clears throat> How about this? Christ will be the most transforming power of character. Are you becoming like him? 
If so, you can know that you, that you love him. Pursuing Christ results in becoming like him. You should be able to look at your life and see yourself being changed so that you're becoming like Christ. And I understand it's a long process, right? I don't know about you. I've been saved for 17 years. And, and it's been a long, long process for me of sanctification. And I look at how far I have to go and I think, my God, it's going to take a miracle. <laughs> Amen? But you know what? There's a miracle working God living inside my heart. He brought me to this very place. Amen? Amen? He hasn't forsaken me. He hasn't forgot about me. He's loved me and cared for me and changed me all the way through. And his grace is going to be sufficient for me to see me all the way to heaven and bring me safely to his holy heaven. Amen? And my faith and my trust is in him. It's not in my ability to change myself. But I'll tell you what, I desperately want to be changed. Are you with me? I want to be like Jesus. I don't know about you, I got a role model. Amen? I want to be like Jesus. You know, he's the wisest man that ever lived. I want to be a wise man. He is the most loving and gracious, compassionate man that ever lived. That's what I want to be like. I don't want to be an angry, wicked sinner. I want to be a loving, gracious, gentle, compassionate man. Are you with me? And family, I'm never going to get there if I don't love Christ. He's the pinnacle of it all. He's, he's, He's the model. He's the source. He's... He's everything. Are you with me? If you love Christ, you love his cause. That is, his kingdom uh, may come. That people might be saved. That is, uh, love would abound in every person is your great pursuit. Here's the idea. If you love Christ, you love everything that Christ stands for. And you give yourself to doing and fulfilling the works that Christ commanded us to do. Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. Don't read the Bible and say, ah, yes, good. And then go away and forget what you looked at. Are you with me? Family, we need to be doers of the word. (laughs) Right? And there is a pursuit in the kingdom of God. We ought to be able to look at our life and see it. Amen? Don't be self-deceived. If you love Christ, you love his people. If you love Christ, you love his people. How can we say we love Christ and do not love his people? We know we love Christ by how well we love and serve his church. You know what Jesus does? He loves and serves his church. Look at him. What do you see him doing? Open the pages of scripture. Read the scripture. What do you see Jesus doing? Loving and serving his church. What do you suppose ought to be your great priority? To love and serve the church. And did he not tell us to do this? I mean, he sat them all down the night before he died. Right? Right? He gets out the towel, 
He washes the feet. And he says, I have a new commandment I give you. Just like you saw me do. Love one another. Right? He says, he who serves like this is the greatest among you. And there he is washing the feet of his saints. Loving and serving his church. And so, family, we don't have we don't have other priorities. This is it. We we do what Jesus does. We go where he goes. We say what he says. Okay? So listen, you, you cannot love Christ and despise his people. You cannot love Christ and go on all your life complaining about what hypocrites Christians are. Because you're the biggest hypocrite of all. Amen? Christians aren't perfect. They're wicked sinners, just like everybody else. Forgiven by God and being transformed slowly but surely by the power of the Spirit. Amen? Some are further down the road than others. Some are just more virtuous and delightful than others. Okay? And it's just a plain fact. It's just the way it is. I don't know about you, but I want to be one of those virtuous, delightful Christians. Just like Jesus. Amen? If you love Christ, you love His Word and His commandments. Love for Christ is clearly seen in a great hunger and desire for his word. Amen? Amen. The Bible ought to be for you a great delight. You know, if, if, if it just tortures you to think about having to read your Bible, <laughs> your priorities are messed up. I mean, you're fooling yourself. <laughs> if it's an arduous thought to think about having to read your Bible, you got big problems. <laughs> Are you with me? The blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. You know why? It's his delight. He loves the word. Oh, how I love thy law. Amen? Amen? So I I just want to encourage you to find your great delight in your love in God and in his holy word. Amen? So I listed for you nine things that you can do to cultivate your love for Christ. I'm not going to teach through these. I'm going to I'm just going to I'm just going to give them to you. They're on the back of your lesson there. Okay? If I had more time, I could think of 19. Okay, they're on every page of scripture. Just, you know, it's just, the book is just filled with exhortations to love God. Amen? Okay, let's pray. God, our Father, Lord, we praise you, we honor you, we bless you. And uh, God, we just, uh, we thank you for the privilege that we have to even mention your name. Lord, to, to know who you are, to know who Christ is. What an immense privilege. God, we thank you. I pray, Lord, that Christ would be our treasure, that he would be the earnest longing of our hearts. Please, God, please perform this work in us. We honor you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.
I, I was going to spend a little bit of time sharing all these lovely books and things with you, but I didn't have time. So if you want to see what I've been keeping my nose in, come up here and I'm going to lay them out on the table. And I just want to tell you about this one thing. If you don't know about the Red Mountain Church, how many of you know about the Red Mountain Church? How many of you love the Red Mountain Church? You've got to get your hands on the Red Mountain Church. Okay? These are God-centered, gospel-centered, Christ-loving saints. They were here and they, they did worship for us, remember, back in September? But uh, you go to redmountainmusic.com. Redmountainmusic.com, and you can buy these CDs and they will change your life. I promise. Okay?